Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter uh, 5 real quick. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about law and grace this morning. I think most people in, in the church are confused about law or grace. I think we don't, we don't quite understand what law stands for. Uh, I was brought up a lot, of, you know, and, and believe it or not, I've picked up on a lot of things. Even as a young Christian, I realized sometimes I was thinking I was helping God. And the things I've done was pleasing to the Lord. I'm not no doubt it was if I was serving Him in righteousness. But I, I felt like if I was failing those areas, I, I, would, I would miss out on God. And it was wrong. Uh, I'm not saying that sin is okay. God forbid. But law sets up a... a, a, a and the word I want to use is it sets up a moral character of God. It sets up the, God's moral plan for our life. Uh, without the law, I would not know sin. Without the law saying, thou shalt not, or thus said the Lord, I wouldn't know it was sin. Therefore, God couldn't even judge me because he can't judge me for something I don't know. But now he reveals sin to us through, through the law. That the law would set up to, to reveal sin and make it exceedingly sinful. Um, in the Old Testament, the law was set up to bring men to repentance. Uh, you had to go and you had to offer up a lamb or goat or sheep. And they did that quite often. Uh, one time a year, they would do it more, more than often. They would offer thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of animals to get their sins atoned for. But it would never take away the sin. It would just cover it. And the problem with that is that the sin was still there. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That Old Testament covenant couldn't, couldn't erase sin. They had to have someone come and pay the sin debt for us. Uh, when we look at law, uh, and, and I've, I've gotten some arguments with people before, and, and they misconceived and, and misunderstood me. I never said that the Ten Commandments was voided. Uh, I'm going to share something with you. Those commandments are not ten opinions. That's not what God thinks you ought to do. It's thus said the Lord. Paul, in the Gospels, mostly Paul, had carried most of those Ten Commandments right into the New Testament. When the law was put up, the Ten Commandments put up, it was, it was, it was to, be, to, to deal with men's hearts. You understand what I'm saying? It was to tell man he was in sin. It was says, this is what's wrong with you. If you do these things, you're going to die. If you do these things, you're going you're to end up in a place called hell. You're going to end up outside of God's presence. Uh, the law was powerful. The law is holy. The law is just. And I'm talking basically about the Ten Commandments. Everything that was done in the Old Testament was a shadow of what was to come, which would be in Jesus. Amen? And we understand that the law was good and it was holy and it just but it never could redeem a soul that had to be done through the blood of Jesus where we now enjoy the, 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 the message of grace the covenant of grace what separates a man from God? Sin what could stop a man from going to heaven? Sin you understand what I'm saying? Those things haven't changed. God hasn't changed His mind about sin. It's still the same. The only difference is the covenant we have with Christ 
is, is, is a covenant of power. It's a covenant of uh, redemption. The sin is gone if you want to repent of it. In the Old Testament, you couldn't even get rid of it. It was just a cover-up. The law, the, 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 the sacrificial lamb and all that was just cover-up. It was covering your sins. You had to go do that every year. And I had to tell somebody that wants to keep the law, say, well, you need to get on a, a jet and you need to go to Israel and find a temple, but you're not going to find it. It's not there right now. And you need to go sacrifice a sheep or goat, and you need to do that you know, quite often. Every time you go to lion and, and steal and, 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 and do those things, you need to get, go commit a, uh, offer a sacrifice. Of course, that would have been impossible for us. That's why our sacrifice was made in Jesus. Amen? Uh, let me read a little bit to you. I'm going to start in, uh, and you're going to have to listen a little bit. I'm kind of paraphrase because there's no way I can go through 6 and 7 and 8. I'm just going to paraphrase a lot of that. And what I mean is that I just grabbed out of that verse the, the meat of it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that I want, I want to show you something. Turn with me chapter 5 of Romans, verse, verse 20. We're living in a time where preachers don't want to use the word sin. I tell you about one right now. You know, everybody knows your name, and that's not what I'm going to do today. Uh, won't even mention the word sin in his church. Uh, he, you know, he won't say anything about it. He just don't want to make anybody sin conscious. Uh, he, he wants everybody to feel good about themselves. He wants everybody to feel like every day is a Friday. <laughs> he wants everybody to be happy. Let me tell you, if you got sin in your heart this morning, you need to get right. That sin will separate you from God. That sin will separate you from God. And I want to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. One disobedience. One disobedience. One sin corrupted the whole world. Everything that moved on this planet was corrupted by the sin of Adam and Eve. Because they had to eat that fruit. They wouldn't, they wouldn't obey God. But you see, Satan is crafty. He'll come and say, oh, that, that one little this won't hurt. That little, what, you know. He, he, he plants a picture so pretty. It makes it sound so harmless. But God don't see it that way. I'll, when I'm going to talk to you this morning, and I, and, and I want to be sure that you understand no way in this church that we need to justify sin in any shape or form. Listen, if you're living in sin, you need to get right. There's something in your heart that's not right, you need to get it right. It'll, it'll separate you from God. Because God doesn't change. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still feels the same way about sin that he felt when Adam and Eve sinned. And all through history, we see great sins that have taken place... Great, you know, I could paint some pictures for you, man, would make your head blow up of the evil that's in man's heart. The things that men have, done, men have done and women to defy God and to go against the Lord. God is angry at sinners every day. God, let me say that again. God is angry at sinners every day. There's nothing pleasant to the Lord about sin. He judged the world and he's going to judge it again because of it. The whole, the whole thing of the tribulation period and what's coming, and I personally, and that's just what I think, and I believe, I believe I can back it up. It's the way to let sin destroy itself. 
Come on, somebody. It's a way that God can purge sin from this earth. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take a ruling reign and he's going to rule and reign. And if you cross that line, you'll face his judgment. But I don't want to get into that. What I want to get into is let's understand what sin's about. Somebody asked me one time, said, Lanny, what, what, is the, what is the world? I mean, we hear that. Don't follow the world. What is the, I said, the world is anything, that is anything that's against God. Anything that contradicts this book, His Word. Anything that, 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 that goes against what God wants for you. That's the world. You turn this TV on, you watch the world. You're going down the street of Walmart, you can see the world. You go to church, even sometimes you can see the world. You know? God is against anything that tears his name down, that tears his word down, that, that draws a man or woman away from him. So when I talk about sin, I'm talking about uh, defied of God's word, defied of his, of, his, of his holy name, defied of his holy commandments. You remember I said a minute? It's not ten opinions. Ten commandments. The reason why we've lost the fear of God in the church I'm not necessarily just talking about this one, but I'm talking about in general. It's because we preach the fear of God out. God is not no longer like He used to be. He ain't going to burn cities like He did in Sodom and Gomorrah's day. He's, he's not going to flood the earth like He did in Noah's day. Oh, yes, He... <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, I've, heard, I've read in my Bible, He's going he's to refine this whole... He's going to burn it up. He, Peter talks about Him redoing it again, bringing it back. Refining, burning all the elements of this world up and restoring it back to the way it was. Because he, he, he can't accept men's hearts. He can't accept the world system because it's, it's against him. It defies him. Let me read this to you. What is it? 5, verse 20 and 21. More so the law entered in, entered that offense might abound. Where sin abounded, what? Grace much more abounds. What's greater than sin? Grace. <laughs> Listen, you don't know what God has forgiven you of. <laughs> if you can only see what angered God in your life, you would serve Him a whole lot more with fear and more, more reverence and more worship. If you only knew what God forgave you from, if you only knew what it was going to cost you, oh. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Some of you look at me kind of strange, but it's true. If we really realize what God forgave us of, and we really knew what, it was gonna, what He saved us from, the thing that He calls an abominations and things that He calls defying His word and defying the things that he, he gave us, we would be a whole lot more willing to worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. The law was brought in to expose sin. The law was brought in to show you what sin was. The law showed the moral character, the, the heart of God. Because God would not tolerate none of these things. And He still doesn't. When I can hear a preacher say, he don't even use the word sin in his church. He ain't, he, he, ain't, he ain't a man of God. He's not preaching this gospel. My Bible talks about sin from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. God dealing with the heart of man. 
Dealing with man, showing man where, he, where, he's, where he's at, where, where he's going, if he doesn't repent. The law was set to reveal sin. Well, Brother Landon, what is sin? Come on, somebody. What is sin? Sin is total rebellion against God. <laughs> That's that's the best definition I can give. The total rebellion against God. Total rebellion against His standards and what He laid down in His Word for us. And it gets me kind of nervous, when I, upset when I hear people say, well, if He just gave us a little bit more in the Bible to explain things, we can't handle what we got now. <laughs> Why in the world? <laughs> we, 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 can't, we can't handle what we got now. I still wrestle with stuff in this book. Things I'm learning, things I'm trying to understand a little bit. I got I to absorb what I got now before I can go on to something else. Hallelujah. He says it right here, verse 21. So that sin, so that as sin reigns in death, even so much grace reign through righteousness, through eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what? He's putting grace above sin. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounds. Amen. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God He's looking for us. Thank God He's, he's pouring His favor in our lives. Thank God He's saving us. You ever wonder what you were saved from? <laughs> what is He saving me from? Oh, if you only know. Eternal, eternal damnation, eternal separation from God. You know, I, I was thinking about hell. And that's another word we don't use in church. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, I'm going to use it. Amen. <laughs> I think about people that are there. That will never see rest. Never see peace. Never see anguish go away from their lives. They'll be there for eternity in suffering and misery. Some of the most horrible misery a, a human being could ever suffer multiplied over and over. Never to get out. Never to see a minute of peace. Never to see a minute. Uh, never to see a minute without no pain. Never to see a minute without no no distress and anguish and suffering. I just can't. I don't want to go. <laughs> God wants to save us from that place. So He made a way through Jesus Christ, through His grace. That grace much more about. I said that a while back, and I'm gonna say it again. My son in the back, Boogie, got more grace with me than you. He's my son. He's got a covenant with me. I'm going to do something for him that I wouldn't do for you. Now, listen, that sounds harsh, but you would do the same thing. Don't tell me you're going to put me before your children. It ain't going to happen. Because that's your child. That's the grace that you give them children is that they have rights to you. They have rights to what you have. They have, they have what you have, they got. My kids, are, they got everything I want. I got. They could come tomorrow, and if they, they, they need it. If I got it, look. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it don't matter what condition you're in, I'm still going to try to do it. I'm guilty, hallelujah, because that's my son or my daughter. It's different. How much more does God see you? Hmm? How much more does God look at your life and say, that's my daughter's, that's my son's. You know, he's going to do something for you he's, he's not going to do for that world. He's going to reach out further for you than he's not, going to, he's, he's not going to reach for that world. Because you know why? Because you're his daughter. You're his son. 
You're his child. It's different. And when I see grace that way, since I started seeing it that way, I see, a, I see a God of love. I see a God of grace. I see a God of mercy. I mean, he's there for me. He's not, fit, you know, away in the universe somewhere, sitting somewhere apart from him. He's here. His presence is here. He, he's there to meet my needs because he's my father. Hallelujah. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there? And that's the whole point. If grace abounds through my sinning, should we continue in sin? He said, God forbid. Why do we want to live in sin? Something we've been set free from, we have died from. You're dead to sin. I mean, we, we fail God. I, I'm, I'm just talking about the passion, the desire to sin, the love for sin. I mean, the, the, you know, that's not there anymore. The things that I, I do, Paul says, the things that I do, I shouldn't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, that I do. Because he had a flesh. The flesh has never got born again. Come on, somebody. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Tonight. This has never been born again. Your spirit is born again. You, what lives inside of this shell, is born again. But that, that flesh has never got born again. It's going to be changed when Jesus comes back. It's going to be renewed. It's going to, it's going to take on a glorious form as his, his glorious body is. But now it is corrupt. The flesh, the world, and the devil. That's the trinity of evil. That's where the, that's, that's, those three work together to destroy you. My Lord, are you hearing me this morning? Sin is there to destroy you. Flesh is there to destroy you. The devil's there to destroy you. They walk, they walk in agreement. See? They walk in unity, the devil, the flesh, and the world, just like the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son work in, work in unity. That's one. The, the flesh and the world and the devil. And, you know, it aggravates me because I don't want to be in the flesh. But sometimes the flesh rises up. The flesh wants to do things that are not right. The flesh wants to follow after Satan. The flesh don't want to pray. The flesh don't want to come to church. The flesh don't want to read his Bible. The flesh don't want to see God. The flesh don't want to, you know, there's a lot of things the flesh don't want to do. Flesh wants to go somewhere it's not supposed to go, do things it's not supposed to do. And Satan knows. Satan knows what you have desire of. Believe me, he's not deaf. Somebody says, well, the devil don't know what I'm thinking. Oh, yes, he does. Because when I start thinking good thoughts, he brings an evil thought. And I don't have to even open my mouth. I don't have to open my mouth. I'm just thinking about the Lord and what God is doing. And he say, no, he's sure, sure. You can hear that little, you know, little demon. He, he's always contradicting God's word. But the Bible says if we walk in the flesh, we won't fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. I mean, walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is walking in the Spirit? Mind on God. What is walking in the Spirit? Hearing the Word of God. What is walking in the Spirit? Focused on the Lord. Know what God's will is for your life. Walking in the Spirit. That don't mean going around talking in tongues all the time and, 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 and hallelujah, hallelujah all over the street. He's talking about your walk. He's talking about your, your focus. He's talking about who you... What, you got to walk in the Spirit. You got to focus on the things of God. You got to walk in the things of God. And it's not always easy. Because the flesh, the flesh warred against the spirit, and the spirit warred against the flesh. I'm going to tell you right now, and I ain't going to lie to you. When I get up in the morning, that battle's taking place right here. 
I'm telling you, that when I get, open my eyes, when I pop open in the morning, he's, there's, a, there's a battle taking place. Today, I'm going to have to make some decisions to continue serving God. Because Satan is coming with everything he's got. And he's going to lie to you, and he's going to tell you, he's going to deceive you, and tell you things that are not right, and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to fight it. You're going to have to stand up with your sword, and you're going to have to go after him. As Jesus did when he was tempted 40 days and 40, you sure? You know what I'm saying? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Satan tried to tempt Jesus to turn stone into bread. And he always used the word of God against Jesus. But Jesus knew the word because he was the word. But he's given us that same word so we can fight that same battle. We, the devil shouldn't be walking all over us as believers. We should stand up and put our feet on that ground and say, I'm walking in the spirit. You know what God wants for your life. You know what's right and what's wrong. You know, you know what the Spirit of God is trying to teach you. You know what you have to do. But I know something. I can, I can quote these scriptures till I'm blue in the face. But if I'm not, my spirit, or the Holy Spirit is not there to strengthen that in my life, I'm just a bunch of words. I can tell somebody about God's Word, but if, if I'm, I don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm never going to conquer Satan. What happened to Jesus when he went up in the mountain? When Satan tempted him for it, he first was filled with the Spirit. <laughs> John the Baptist baptized him, you remember? Then the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and, and he was led up of the Spirit in the wilderness. He didn't go by himself. He, God empowered him to fight the devil, to resist the devil. And you know, I think about it. When, when he was in that mountain, if he gave up, gave one inch to Satan, we wouldn't be here. There would have been no need because God might have destroyed the whole, the whole earth, maybe. I don't know. I'm just thinking that. But if he gave in to Satan just once, the cross would have never been possible because that perfect sacrifice wouldn't have been perfect. See, he wanted to do what I, he did with Adam and Eve. Food again. Take the fruit. God just don't want you to know you can be like God. But now he's telling Jesus to turn bread, a stone into bread. Food can do a lot of damage to somebody. But the principle is that Jesus stood and he didn't give in. He didn't give in to Satan's lies. He used the word of God against Satan. Hallelujah. God is good. Verse, uh, no, I'm sorry, let me go on. Uh, chap verse 6 of chapter 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Or, 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 you know, and, and I'm reading the New King James. Uh, but the body of sin, what's the body of sin? You know, when you're crucified, the devil has no control over your life. See, death. You, you, you can go to a, 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 a funeral or anywhere. You can go to a man's casket and, and cuss him out till he's, he'll never tell you anything. You now why he's dead? <laughs> there's, no, there's no life there. When something is dead, it's dead. Don't expect it to make a response. But we died with Christ. You get where I'm coming from? We took on, through baptism, 
the symbolic death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we came up a brand new creature. We had to be buried. <laughs> so when we were baptized, and, and, I, and I'm going to get baptism, baptism can't save you, but it's a symbolic, a powerful symbolic symbol of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when you were buried in baptism, you came up a new creature. You didn't come up the old, the same old corrupted person. You took on a new life. So you were dead to sin. Why do I still feel like sometimes I want to sin? Because of the flesh. I just told you a minute ago, that flesh it never, never died, it never got born again. The flesh is corrupt. Every one of us in this room have a flesh. And you'd be lying to your teeth if you said, that flesh, I got that flesh under control every day of the week. <laughs> you, have to, you have to crucify that flesh. You have, to, you have to tell Satan, this ain't God. This is not what God wants. I'm going to serve the Lord. And use the word of God against him. You know? Use God's word against him. Because God's very clear. You let, <clears throat> excuse me. To, uh, let me think of the scripture. I lost myself. <laughs> Come on, my Lord Jesus. Be holy for I am holy. That's the scripture. Uh, without holiness, no man can see God. That's, that's what I'm talking Holiness is, is the nature of God, okay? And he commands us to be holy. To be holy. I tell people a lot of this, and I'm going I'm to say it this morning. This book is, and then people say, I want to serve God because I want to be happy. This is not a happy Bible. Oh, I want to I have a fun life with Jesus. This is not a fun Bible. It's called a holy Bible. Big difference. This word is on the very first cover, on the cover. Amen? The holy Bible. So when we start looking for God to make us rich, to make us happy, those things could happen. I'm saying as a Christian, you ought to be happy. As a Christian, you ought to be joyful. As a Christian, you ought to be blessed. That's not what I'm talking about. But that's not the main principle of God's word. It's to bring us into holiness with Him, and into union with Him, reconciliation with Him. So when we look at God, we see God trying to reach man. The Old Testament went to a limit, but it couldn't bring men to God. The veil was still up. The veil still separated God and man. The only one that could go in that veil was the holy priest. And if he wasn't right, he'd die. He'd put bells on his, on his, on his legs and clothes. And if he, he had sin, he would die. He'd go in that holy place and he'd die. They had to pull him out with a rope. <coughs> but without holiness, no man shall see God. And that's an Old Testament scripture out of 1 Peter. Without holiness, no man shall see God. Sin is as deadly as it was in the beginning. It's never changed. Sin ain't lessened up. Sin, God don't see sin any different. God's heart about sin is still what he, what he felt back then. He feels the same way today. The difference is the blood of Jesus. Everyone in this room deserves judgment. Everyone in this room deserves hell. But because, man, I feel this presence. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the grace of God, because of what Jesus did on the cross, secured your place in heaven. Why would you want to do? Why, why would you want to go anywhere else? Why would you want to serve anybody else? Huh? Why would you want to be 
You want to be with Jesus. We want to serve Jesus. I'm not, I'm not, I'm almost, <laughs> the reason why is because I got a little bit to read, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you out for lunch. <laughs> oh, man, this is good. All right, let's see. Uh, verse 7. For he who has died has been made what? Freed or free from sin. He who's dead is free from sin. Or he who has died is free from sin. There's not an, a person on this earth that dies, has to deal with sin. We've got to, some that don't know God's got to deal with it in eternal hell. But when you die as a Christian, as a believer, as a, as a child of God, you're going into glory. Sin, you never have a problem with sin ever again. Ain't that wonderful? Never have a problem with sin again. You'll be freed from sin. Now, even as a Christian, we, we can enjoy that freedom. Because are we, are we conquering sin in our lives? Does sin have dominion over our lives? Why do we feel that sometimes we, 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 we just can't grab a hold of what redemption is? What salvation is? What justification is? Why can't we grab? Why don't we understand that? It bothers me when I see people today. They don't understand what they're saved from. They don't know what justification is to, to save their lives. That means you've been made right. That means you've been made pure. That means you've been, you're set aside with God. You, you're not bound up by sin anymore. Sin has no more dominion over your life. God is your Lord now. Once Satan was your Lord, you did exactly what the devil wanted you to do. Now you're doing what God wants you to do. Amen? You've been made free from sin and death. Satan is sin. Satan is death. Satan is, is destruction. God is life and more abundant life. God is hope and faith. God is, oh man, I feel his presence. God is joy and love and compassion. God is everything that we need as believers. It's not going to be easy to serve God. I wish I could paint you a pretty picture. Come to Jesus and you'll every problem will be, be dealt with. That's not what I'm saying this morning. But God is my Savior. He's my grace. He, listen, I got his favor on my life. That's a, that's a big deal to me. If God's favor is not on your life, you need to get born again. You need to get right with God. If you can't trust God for every situation in your life, you need to get right. There's something wrong. That's because of His grace. That's why I have that, and that's why you have that. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? How much of us really understand what our relationship with God is in grace? What does God tell us when we say by grace? What is He telling us? It's just a word we throw around so easily, and, 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 and we, never, we never could see what grace is. Listen to me. When your enemies come against you, grace comes back and fights for you. When you're sick in your body, grace is there to heal you. When you, when you feel defeated, when life's giving you the most hardest time, it, it, grace is there to pick you up. That's what you call favor. That's what you call grace. When you die, you're going to be with the Lord in eternal life forever. That's what grace is. Well, brother, I heard I was saved by grace, not of myself, lest any man should boast, you know, not of works. I mean, no, nobody ever stopped to think about what that means. Law brings death. Grace brings life. I don't want to be on the law and say, well, I'm just going to be on the law and serve God on the law. You ain't going to go to heaven. As powerful and as good as the law is and holy the law is, the law never meant to save you. 
You have another covenant called grace. This is the one that we need. This is where when, when, when we fail in God, when we feel like the world is going apart around us, we need that grace to walk with God. We need that grace to, cut, to move forward. We need that grace. When I talk about law and grace, that's what I'm saying this morning. I'd much rather grace. And, and I'm, not, I'm not excusing the law. I'm not excusing the Ten Commandments. No, God still thinks dishonoring your father and mother is a sin. God still thinks lying, stealing, uh, coveting somebody's house or land, a wife, a husband, is still a sin. The worst one is, shall I have no other gods before you? Do you realize God gave, Jesus said, to, uh, what, what is the two greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. If you ever study the Ten Commandments, the, 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 in Exodus 20, the first five of those commandments deal with your relationship with God. And the second five deal with your relationship to man. If, if, if you love God with all your heart and mind, you're not going to have no other gods before. You're going to remember a day to rest. You're, going to, you, you, you're not going to make no idols or graven images. You know, on and on. You're not going to take the name of the Lord in vain. If you love Him with all your heart, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to go and try to steal what they got, lie, and take their husbands and wife, whatever, take their land, covet whatever they have. You know, dishonor your father and mother, you're not going to do that. That's why Jesus said, if you do these two things, you fulfill the whole law. <laughs> because the, the whole law is consistent in those two, com two commandments, what Jesus said. To love the Lord to God with all your heart, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what... We need to do. It's not hard to love you because I love Jesus. It's not hard to love my wife because I love Jesus. It's not hard to love you because I love. It's not hard, it's not, hard to, uh, not have no idols because I love God. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Your relationship on this planet is with two entities God and people. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Jesus and people. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, you, you get married, you have a wife. And your relationship becomes Jesus and you and your wife. Because those two, and Jesus made it very clear. You know, a marriage is like, like a union between the father and, 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 and his people. You know, you love your wife with all your heart, mind, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. But the point I mean is that, it's, is that Jesus compared our relationship with him to marriage. You'll know, get what I'm saying? He compared it to a marriage. The marriage between a man and a woman. I asked myself one time, Lord, do I love my wife? He said, well, yeah. I said, he said, would you die for her? I said, well, yeah. He said, I love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, I love my mama, but my mama's not more important than my wife. Because the Bible says to forsake father and mother and be joined unto your wife. My wife is going to be with me till I die. Or the rapture happens. That's a union. That, that's a type of union between a husband and a wife that reflects my relationship with Jesus. Because as I'm going to be with my wife till I die, I'm going to be with Jesus till I die. And beyond. So, I told somebody a while back, I was, I was preaching, that was years ago, about... 
I said, I can tell what kind of relationship you have with your wife. Well, with God on how you treat your wife. <laughs> and they got mad at me. I'm telling you, I got some of them. <laughs> how you treat your wife or how you treat your husband is what kind of relationship you have with God. If you mouth your wife up all the time or your husband, that's, that's the kind of relationship you have with God. Oh, no, brother. Yeah, I don't know. Because if that's a reflection of your relationship between your husband and wife is what you have with God, then I sure hate to see how you talk to God. <laughs> Listen to me, praise God. I'm not going to get another subject, but I'm trying to show you something. There, there's a power in grace. There's a power in the law. The law is there to sow its sin is. The grace is there to give forgiveness of that sin. You know what I'm saying? I am not a sinner. And if you're born again, you're not. Because you know what? A sinner sins because he's a sinner. Not saying that we don't sin sometimes. But I don't believe it. there's a person in here that wants to sin. I hope not. There's not a person in here that, that, that don't, don't want to uh, go against God. You're not here this morning because you want to go against God. You're here to hear something from the Lord. You want to know what God's will is for your life. So when I'm saying you have to obey the Lord and what he says in his word, you gotta get that's how you come in union with him. He he's the teacher. I'm the learn, I'm, I'm the student. You're honest, you get that? God don't need your opinion, God don't need your counseling, God don't need your, what you think. The only way you're gonna have fellowship with God is if you agree with him. God sounds harsh. No, he's not. Because he's he's holy. And he knows what needs to be done. He knows what your heart is like. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to read a little bit more and I'm, I'm going to shut it down, okay? Because there's a lot to absorb this morning, okay? How many know what grace is all about? I mean, seriously. Understanding what that word means. And, what, and, and grace is the very love of God, the very character of God, the very nature of God. God wants to forgive man. God didn't create hell for one soul. So he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. That we don't have to go to that place. Believe me, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say something. I see a lot of people struggle and they lack the peace of God in life because they're not trusting in the grace of God. You hear what I'm saying? They're not trusting in, they, 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 they go to church and, and, and they struggle and, they, and, and there's no joy in their life and there's no peace in their life and they're almost trying to win God over with their feelings and their emotions. You know? Or even in some cases, self-pity. Oh God, poor me. Oh God, you got to look at me. Poor me, I'm going through all of this, God. Poor me, poor me, poor. And you know, there's, there's a time for acts. God knows what you're going through. He's not, he's not, listen, this time we, you know, we get off this pity potty thing and, and say, listen, God, I need to straighten up. <laughs> I need to accept your grace. I need to accept your salvation. I need to accept your justification. I need to accept your peace. There's a scripture I used a while back, and, and it's worth, worth quoting. Let the peace of God rule your heart, in your heart. Now, <coughs> excuse me, that means you've got to let this peace govern you. When you let the peace of God govern your heart, direct your heart, lead your heart, then you'll be a happy Christian. You'll be one that can hear from God. 
You know what? I've, I've experienced some stuff as a, as a believer and studied and, and saw in my own life, okay? You ever argued with God? Don't lie. Probably ever wanted it. <laughs> why, God? And you say, God, why don't you do this? Or why don't you, you solve this? Why don't you fix this? Well, how do you know he's not? Because it doesn't seem like you see it. My thoughts are not God's thoughts. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. God's grace is working it. When I've, when I've learned to accept that in my life, I see Him do many things. I've seen many answered prayers. I've seen God work in many ways. But when I've just sat there and tried to find a reason why I'm right and God is wrong, buddy, you, you're going down a road that's going to take you to a dark place. Because I'm going to tell you something, and I want to shock you, you are wrong. And God is right. God don't do nothing because He wants to make your life hard. He does it to bring you at peace. If He doesn't do it, then He's lying to me. Because He says, let the peace of God rule your heart continually. That's letting God decide what you feel. Letting God decide what you need. Letting God decide... Speak to your life and make decisions in your life. And all you have to do is say, and you know, a lot of times you know what the Spirit of God's telling you. You know what God's voice is like. And you hear Him and you argue with Him. Listen, He loves you. He knows what's right. And believe me, He's going to fix anything you got. But till you trust in His Word and trust in what He says in His Word, trust in His grace, you never find peace. I don't know about you, but I want some peace in my life. I found a lot of peace. I'm still struggling with answers. And it's, it's going to happen until Jesus comes back. But I'm, I'm on the right track, man. I can, see the, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know Jesus is working. I want to share something with you. I told my wife this morning. In, a, in about four or five years, I'll be old enough for Social Security. I, I made a decision that when that happens, when I'm I get out of my, my debts. I'm going to give my business up to my children. And I'm going to come serve the Lord here. As a pastor of this church, i got a lot of things to learn, y'all. Sometimes I, I, I fumble on my words sometimes. But I know I want to spend the rest of my life preaching this gospel. And if i got to do it here, I'm going to do it here, okay? Uh, there's not a person in this, this room who ain't got no potential with the Lord. God loves you. You might be an intercessor. You might be uh, uh, an encourager. You might be a teacher, pastor maybe, evangelist. You don't know. But there's not a person in here that can't make a difference for the kingdom of God. Not one. I need your prayers. If, if you have a problem praying, pray for me. I mean, if you're looking for somebody to pray for, pray for me. I, listen, I got time for <laughs> pray for me. <laughs> I got time for my pride. Oh, you think I'm not saved? You think I'm right? Uh, oh, I'm the pastor. Uh, pff, oh, yeah, baloney. But as flimsy as sometimes as you are. You know what I'm saying? I want prayer. I want you to pray for me. If you see some, pray for me. Pray, Lord, strengthen Brother Lenny. Strengthen Sister Janice. I want to know. What, listen, I feel his presence, y'all. I want to know what God's word is in my life. I want his peace in my life. I got time for pride, man. I got time for... All that junk, religious pride especially. That's the worst kind. 
I want to know God's will. How many want to praise God? I believe everybody in this church wants that. I feel that this morning a little ice got broken. That we're going on the right track and learning the grace of God. Grace of God, and I've never used that term again. I heard people say it's greasy grace, sloppy agape. But I learned nothing greasy about God's grace. That's, that's almost blaspheming. There's nothing greasy. This is the most powerful thing that God ever gave man. It set our feet on the path to heaven. It forgave us for every sin that we've ever committed. Every, everything in our life that we need is in that little word called grace. There's nothing greasy about that. Nothing sloppy about it. When you say stuff, I used to use the term, I said, no, never again. Because I heard other people use it. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing greasy about it. That is the most powerful thing God ever gave man. Is His grace. It's where we find peace and salvation and hope and love. That, he, that if the world rejects it, God's given it to His children. Because we are His children. I'll be honest with you, the majority of the world, and people are looking for end-time revival, big time, it might happen. But I don't see the world population that we have of 7 billion. Most of that ain't going to be saved because most of it is in false religion. <laughs> most of it is, is, is outside of Jesus Christ. Most of it don't even acknowledge Jesus. And if they do, they, 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 don't, they don't lift him up as the, the son of God. They lift him up as some prophet. Many are called, few are chosen. I want to be one of the chosen ones. I can almost assure you that Jesus Christ is coming. No, I know He's coming. I assure you. People say, when? I believe personally it's going to be real soon. But you know what? I'm going to be expecting. I want Him to come. I want to, I want to have an excitement about the return of Jesus. You know? Churches become so commercial. I mean, what I mean is that they're making merchandise of the people of God. A lot of preachers are making merchandise of the people. They're just getting rich. I heard Kenny Copeland say not too long ago, and he's come out of his own mouth. He's almost a billionaire. Got his own airport right there on his, on his little island in Texas. He got about, I don't know how many airplanes, he wants another one. He's trying to make the people of God pray for his $24 million airplane because he can't ride next to sinners in an airplane because evil spirits might jump on him. He said, man, he get right with God. He didn't get saved. That's a filthy lucre. I'm, I, listen, I'm not, you might think I'm harsh, but it's the truth. People like that are looking to live off the fat of people. People are struggling to make it, man. Go, go take the last dollar they got and you ride in a $24 million airplane. Because you can't sit next to sinners in a regular airplane. You know, so you gotta, I don't want to get off it now. I'm going to get myself upset. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's stand up, praise God. I hope this helped you this morning. I think we've got a, lot, a long way to go in learning what grace and law is about. Uh, I want everybody to see where they're at with Jesus this morning, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. How close are you to Jesus this morning? What I mean by that, have you drifted? Have you, have, you, have you grown cold? Are you lukewarm? It don't have to be like that this morning. 
today, if I've done anything, and I'm not the best speaker in the world, but if I've done anything, is to focus where you're at with the Lord this morning. Listen, I can't make the decision for you. I can't preach you into heaven. I can't preach you out of hell. I told at a funeral one day, I said, I can't preach that man out of, he was in his casket. I said, I can't preach that man into heaven. I can't preach him out of hell. I don't have the power to do that. God has the power to do it. Jesus has the power. Do me a favor, just bow your head a minute and just ask yourself a simple question. Where am I with you today, Lord? You know, I don't know. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not, I can't go out there and pull somebody out and say, well, you need this and you, you know, okay? Troubles will come your way. Tribulations will come your way. Will you fail God? Or will you keep on singing? Will you keep on praising Him? Say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Some of you might just be at the place where you're saying, God, I don't understand, but I'm going I'm I'm to serve you. 